Hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you uh, uh, sitting down for a few minutes and hopefully you're enjoying the show. Uh, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. And thanks for inviting me to, to speak today. Uh, my background is uh, with a company called Flight Explorer. And prior to that, I was with an airline uh, taking care of in-flight catering. We recognized the problem of sending trucks out to flights that did not come in. Uh, and trying to call airlines to find out when they would be in, we were getting not the answers we were looking for. So we figured out a, a way to add tracking into our operation to be able to be more productive and save on uh, save uh, save food. Uh, that led me to this company that I started working for in 2000, doing flight tracking for business aviation, airlines, and uh, academic other operation centers. Uh, in that experience, I set up dozens of airline operation centers, hundreds of airports and business aviation operators, uh, charter operators, FBOs, and uh, with different weather products and different uh, capabilities, uh, mostly using FAA data. Now, we're, we're, as we come into today, ADSB is the predominant tracker for global, uh, well, global tracking. There's a number of companies that are doing satellite space-based ADSB, like Arion, uh, Spire also is a, a contender. They started, I think, with uh, Marine, but they provide a good source of global aircraft tracking. Uh, there's a, a good difference between the two feeds, and they both have their, their benefits. Most of the flight tracking companies now have figured out a way to meld the two together to provide a very valuable service for FBOs, where they can, they can see if there's conflicting or flights coming in, where it's gonna to be too much of a workload on the staff, or there's gonna be valleys in that workload where people can, can move brakes around. So it's a helpful tool for the FBO, and it lets them see what size aircraft is coming in. Some flight tracking services like X1 provide quick turn icons so that the FBO can see that they can react to it in a different way. They don't need to park it far away. It's gonna be the service, it's gonna be back out again. Uh, so it provides very valuable situational awareness for the FBO to, to optimize their resources, uh, and know how to plan their day. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you have to be able to plan ahead, right? And sometimes that means 15 minutes ahead, and other times you, it's nice to know a couple hours ahead of time, right? So um, talk to us a little bit more about the, the some of the specifics, I guess. The, um, you know, sometimes you have block tail numbers and yep. sometimes you don't. And so what, let's, what allows you to unblock a number? And I know you're pulling different resources yeah. together. So what does that look like? Well, without going back too far into the old days in the beginning, but uh, there was a data feed. It was called ASDI, Aircraft Situation Display for Industry. And it was a, a tool to be able to share the aircraft position reports and data with stakeholders, aviation-related businesses. Uh, as time evolved, we started doing web-based tracking systems instead of client-server or client, uh, where we knew each, each location, each uh, IP address where we were sending the data. We, that data started kind of, not leaking out, but started getting more prolific. You know, uh, web-based trackers were showing positions, and it drive a lot of owners and operators to block their tail numbers, and making it a little harder for the ground service providers to to continue to provide fantastic service. It benefited the pilots, but at the, um, 
but it didn't benefit ground service teams. Uh, the, uh, the way the block program is written, it needs to be blocked from public view. So the general public shouldn't be able to walk into an FBO or any place and see block tailenders. However, in an FBO, there's a need to know. They already know. It's already on the schedule board. The arrangements have already been made with that client to, for the FBO to receive them. So we feel, well, we also, there's no blocking on ADSB data. <laughs> Most FBOs may have two different windows open. They'll have a flight tracker with FAA data, with flight plan information, and they'll have an ADSB tracker with just everything else. And they'll try and create a picture of what's happening in their, in their environment. But that's the way they've worked around block tail numbers. It's just not quite there. But it does, it does bring a question about privacy issues, and it's a hot button for every NBAA uh, pilot or service provider, is what do we do about the, the privacy and anonymity of travel? Uh, it hasn't been solved, but it, it needs to be solved by the stakeholders that include ground and, and the pilot's group. But it really doesn't need to include the general public, yeah. in my opinion. And there seems to be always a way around that because pretty much everybody has heard about this kid that is, has been tracking Elon Musk's airplane, yep. which I'm pretty sure it's yep. blocked, but there's, he found a way to go around number, it. Right, just taking the ADSB data, you can, there's um, a number of sites that are tracking celebrity jets or corporate jets, corporations jets, uh, shoe company, soft drink company jets, uh, or a hobby. So... It drives more and more operators to block their tail numbers. Now, there are other programs. There's the block tail number. There's a, what's called PIA. It's a way to get an anonymous or alias ADSB code. You have to apply for that. It takes about 60 days. You can renew it. But it just creates an alias. However, when you're flying, you still have to put in your call sign. So your call sign is typically a registration number. So that kind of defeats the whole having a different ADSB code. So the solution may be, one of the solutions could be right now on the uh, FAA registry, there's an N number and the hex code, and it's passed by a law that it shall be there. So it's mandated that it has to be there. We can look at ways where we can separate that information out so that it isn't so easy for the hobbyist to correlate an owner. There's other things to do too. Owners don't have to register with their name. They can register as an LLC. They can also get a three-letter air operator code. And there are 6,000 of these out there where they fly with it like an airline would have. An air charter company could have a three-letter code. And then some people are just starting to sell their jets and they're flying on charters. And even though they can track the aircraft, there's no way to know who's on board. And it could just be a repositioning flight. So when they get up in arms about hey, that plane only went 20 miles to hop over traffic. It could have just been repositioned where fuel is cheaper or the crew is based or a number of other reasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's um, shift gears and we'll get into X1 tracks and then the integration with the X1 platform. Um, you know, we're here in Florida and there's a ton of, of lightning strikes and so forth. And yeah. so I know the weather is kind of a hot button issue. So you have 
Uh, brought some some items to the table on that front. Is that correct? Yeah, we've talked to the to the team about bringing in uh, some weather products and making those available to our FBOs. Things that have weather alerting, where there's a caution ring, a, a warning ring, and a critical ring. So when there's lightning strikes, real time lightning awareness to uh, as it gets closer to the ramp, uh, they'll. There's a safety concern about lightning strikes where you're fueling or lightning strikes while you're just out servicing the aircraft. So an airport would shut down the operation for fueling and communicate that to all stakeholders. We've, we feel that putting that power in the hands of the FBOs to know where that lightning is, when to sound the all clear, to be able to have a, an extra layer of safety for their personnel and, and add that to their, the services of the Keep, uh, keep their team safe. Yeah, so I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you've got to look after the people, right? And I mean, we just... Yeah. And weather is part of it. Weather, in addition to lightning, they can also know temperatures. If there's going to be a drop or there's a snow warning, not for South Florida, but for upper peninsula of Michigan, if snow is coming, got to get the de-icer warmed up. You got to have everything ready to go for that. Or if there's going to be high winds or hurricanes or tornadoes, time to tie down the... Uh, make sure everybody's tied down or in the hangar. Or if you have advanced notice, you have fly them out. But having that notice and that awareness, having the forecast capabilities, we have a three-day tactical forecast, a 10-day outlook, uh, and other weather services available for FBOs to, to help manage their, you know, all their resources and their safety, just common sense. Yeah. And, and, and like, because there's a lot of commercial weather applications that you can easily download from a NAP store. Yep. But what, what is it that you can get with some of these other specialized services that you may not be able to get with a regular weather app and, exactly. and your iPhone? Well, the weather app will be on the iPhone and any of your mobile devices. But it's the alerting capabilities where you can set them yourselves. You can set the threshold limit. You can set the range rings. You can set whether you get an all-clear message. You can have a broadcast to all your staff, so everybody's on the same, uh, has the same awareness, what's going on. And really just the, having the ability to do the, um, to set the timings yourself, whatever your safety threshold is. For some airports, it might be a 30 minute, no, no lighting, for some it might be 15 minutes. But having that ability to customize it, I think is where the value is to- And define that across the board for yep. your entire yep. location. Whether you do that yourselves or even X1 could uh, do the admin on it, where a customer could sign up, give us a phone number, what kind of alerts you want from uh, 30 alerts that are available, and it'll get pushed out to their phone or to their mobile, any other mobile device, including X1 single point. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have that. I mean, I know a lot of FBOs work or have remote locations at the airport, and so you, know, you might have your centralized FBOs ramp space, but then they're all doing remote fuel waves, for example, or down at the airline terminal. So it's got to be nice to have the uh, mobile capability to communicate with folks, right? Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about X1 tracks and then uh, the integration with, you know, the X1, you know, Volcom, you know, sure. X1 FBO. Um, so I know that you were integral in getting the flight tracking data um, to X1 tracks. And so do you, either one of you guys want to talk about what that integration looks like? Sure. Yeah, we, um, we recognize that the FBO benefits a great deal from having live tracking information. We designed the tracks product to 
declutter the screen. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the features. It shows only the arrivals on the map, on the inbound, so that that's what the FBO is concerned for. That's what they're looking for. Once the flight is fueled and, and departs, it doesn't need to be on the screen. The FBO has really no concern for it. So we built that in just to make it easier to see what's arriving and have that glance well. You can just look up at the map and go, oh, I see a whole lot of planes and they're really close or there's only one plane and it's really far. I can, I don't have to do any thinking. I know that I've got time to go take a lunch. Or you can look at just the flight strips and how they're arranged in the arrival sequence with a countdown timer. So instead of just having the ETA, it's, it'll be here in three minutes, it'll be here in nine minutes, it'll be here in 11 minutes. You can look at that and go, oh, okay, that's how much time I have to do this other task before I have to meet and receive this, this arriving inbound. Oh. And then we've added for X1, that's just with the data we've got on display, we've added some things with an integration, being able to show quick turn icons, if the plane's gonna be on the ground for an hour and a half or less, so that changes how the FBO fueler's gonna approach that aircraft and how they're gonna make sure that the uh, services are ready to go, the catering, the lab service, any of the other products and services that are requested. Uh, so we were able to do a, a lot of interesting things that other tracking systems don't have with a, with a wonderful integration with uh, X1 FBLs. And so I know that there's some features in X1, right? The leverage that so automatic timestamp aid and so forth. Yes. What, yeah, what I, think I think that's a big one that we came out with this year with our latest, latest version of X1, where uh, if you have tracks, uh, we enable an integration, activate an integration between X1 and Trags that automatically starts feeding or updating all of your flights in your, in your scheduling in what we call the, the, the request list or the arrival departure boards. So if we find a match on Trags, then automatically we link them and start updating arrival times and departure times automatically. So, you know, once you have that in there, you forget about having to go back and start getting or inputting manual updates. It's all coming directly from trucks. Uh, that's definitely, definitely been a big, big improvement. Um, because yeah, most, most people that are not using X1 products, they are probably having a, using a flight trucker here. They're using some other kind of scheduling software here for the FEO. So they have to manually enter the information here. Now you just, have it right there. And we have single point for the guys on the field. They can get all of those updates automatically. So they don't have to be using radio to know if that aircraft is arriving or not, or, or if it's delayed or it's not. You just, you know, you just get that information automatically into your device. So that's been a very, very powerful integration for us. And there's a lot of other stuff that we're planning to do there with, with the power that we have with tracks and X1. So we're, I think we're just scratching the surface right now. Yeah, no, that's exciting. We, um, Every time I go to a new location, we always try to focus on service and so forth. But anyways, there's two thresholds that we always look like from a, from a flight tracking standpoint. One is an hour out and one is 15 minutes out. And it kind of goes to making sure the services are in place and so forth. Those are just two critical um, timeframes that we always you know, stress with employers. Okay. And so just making that seamless is uh -huh. critical. Absolutely, yeah. So... Um, so I know one of the other things you are focusing on is some of the historical data. So give us a little right. bit of flavor of what that looks like. Sure. Yeah, thank you. The, um, most of the flight tracking roadmap that we've developed for tracks will include uh, reports at some point. We've had them in, under development. 
we will have them uh, shortly. Like most of the other tracking services, we recognize that there's a value to digging in the historical reports, even if it's just for uh, the monthly arrivals. We go one step further at Corvus. We take that information, we provide it in a number of different ways. One of the, uh, one of the fun reports we developed is a, um, a three-month outlook where we take three months of, of traffic by operator or by uh, general aviation, and we'll look at all the outbounds that that, flight is, that that one tail number or operator has done, aggregate the fuel burn outbound, and then rank all those uh, operators top to bottom or general aviation owners top to bottom, who's contributing to most to the uh, fuel outbounds. So it's almost putting like a customer value yeah. score yeah. Um, where you can concentrate on customer retention in your top 20%. Still want to provide great service to everybody, but you don't want, you want to make sure you're providing extra ordinary service to the top. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, I'm a, um, you guys know I'm a, I'm a data guy and I like to, you know, look at the trends and so forth. But yeah, I mean, even, even in terms of looking for new business, I mean, that information can be very, very powerful. But also just trying to keep a little bit of a reality check maybe as well with some of your base tenants, right? So like if, uh, if you have a prospect that's out there, you know, you might be able to see what their actual flight history looks like and it becomes very powerful information. So um, we, we run a few market studies where we look at traffic for a given airport. We'll look at the competing airports and then we'll look at the national airspace. So we'll be able to compare month over month how that airport's doing against their competitive airports in their, in their market area. And is the tide rising for everybody? Is the whole national airspace, business aviation, fuel volume, traffic volume rising? Um, so that ends up being more of a market study, but knowing what that market value was as it really has a benefit and a value in itself. Some of the numbers we have in our data right now, we're processing about 150,000 flights a day going into the data mix from over 6,000 air operators, and just north of 300,000 individual tail numbers. Uh, and last check, about 12,000 airports for our inbound and outbounds. So we've got a good amount of global data, good amount of uh, non-US traffic. So it's really an interesting, large data block to dig into where you can cut it up by aircraft type, you can cut it up by categories, by countries, fuel volumes, and operator codes. So I'll, I'll have a question for both of you. Uh, since you're closer to the FBOs, so do you think that FBOs, I know that the big chains are already using these tools. They already know the potential that they have with these tools. Do you think that it's a trend across them, across the industry where they know all the potential that comes with the tracking uh, and the historical records and trying to see how that can drive their decisions uh, into the future? Uh, yes, is the short answer. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to awareness too. You know, everybody's, I think, is familiar with flight tracking to, you know, help facilitate activities that are in the near term, you know, mm -hmm. at that 15 minute, 15 minute or yeah. hour interval. But I'm not sure that everybody is 100% aware of the power that some of the day, some of the information can provide mm -hmm. and, and how to utilize it. Um, and I think it's kind of an untapped resource, really. I mean, it's, 
Uh, we're constantly looking at data at other airports to see if there's other business that we can drive to a particular air, uh, to a particular FBO. And so, yeah, I mean, I think just creating that awareness is mm -hmm. pretty important. Everybody can pretty much take advantage of that. That technology is out there. There's a lot of value to to know who the uh, who the main operators are. And even in the market areas, if you have time, if you have a hangar and you have time with your mechanics doing uh, maintenance events and now they're being paid by the hour and you've got a gap in the schedule, you can reach out to certain aircraft type owners in your area and in your market area just close by that, you know, you can make the offer. I've got an available spot if you're looking for the equivalent of an oil change or a, mm -hmm. a, a sea check or whatever services being uh, available at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, or if you've got a hangar space that's available and you're trying to get people who you know have the frequency in and out of the, the neighborhood, maybe they're at an airport 10 miles away or 20 miles away, but they could. it's certainly, if you have that information that they have the frequency in their base there, it's certainly worth a, uh, a postcard or yeah. reaching out. And airports too. I mean, I know they're always looking for traffic counts because that means funding, you know, based upon the amount of activity at a specific airport. So, uh, and there's something there's, there's, more, there's an untapped ability for a, uh, like local resources for almost like a, um, the golf clubs or the, the clubs that provide golf, <laughs> not the clubs themselves, uh, hotels, <laughs> rent a car or other services that are available that would be like, um, or catering. Who are the who are the people that are coming in frequently? But I could market my catering services too, and or my discount on the uh, the club membership or things for the pilots to do while yeah. they're waiting for the owners to to go. Pretty interesting, yeah. This can even go beyond aviation and all of these businesses around that can benefit from this. Yeah, create more of a more with that data and more of the ecosystem. But mm. the FBO can benefit by building those relationships with the local community. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you very much. I mean, um, really appreciate you sitting down and spending some time with us. I think it's, I think it's great stuff. Like I said, I love data, so it's, it's yep. fun to dig into it. So. Yeah. Same. That's a fun show. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, Kim Thanks.